Hello and welcome to Mirror Talk. We have moments where we just have to pause. Just pause and take a break and reflect on life. Remember, you are strong, you are enough, you are capable, you are blessed and you are loved. Your moment of greatness starts now. Karen is a leadership and influence expert, international keynote speaker, and the best-selling author of several books. Her latest book, The Tower of Influence, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and even now on the top 20 list of book categories everywhere around the world. You can read about her and amazing works on KarenMcGregor.com. How are you doing, Karen? I'm well. Thank you for having me, Toby. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate this, and I'm looking forward to learning so much from you. Starting, starting off from your book, um, this The Tower of Influence. This is an amazing book, a very <laughs> wonderful book. And I want us to like go from one pillar to the next pillar to the next pillar till, <laughs> till we get to the end of the journey. Then, yeah, then I'm satisfied, <laughs> hopefully. So... Starting off, we'll start off with the introduction. You introduced um, how the whole um, journey started from the, you know, um, burial of your father where you were at home with your mom and a letter was being delivered by your neighbor. So can you take off from there so I don't, I don't narrate your story? Yes, for sure. Yes. So um, my father uh, passed away and I, I, was, I was at my mom's home um, and, uh, you know, there were many cards coming, many sympathy cards mm. and, uh, but, but, but one struck me because, uh, it looked like it was a regular sympathy card. I, I was about to put it on the table and then I noticed something different about it. And so when I opened it, um, it actually was, a, a long letter you know, not not just a card, but inside there was this long letter, and um, it said that although my neighbor she she was nine months pregnant, she didn't know my father and mother very well. She just sort of looked out the window and saw my dad. She said that he was such a huge influence on her because she would look out the window and every day he'd be outside working in the yard and he was so happy. He just had this radiant smile and he would work on, you know, different um, things like a birdhouse or fixing the fence or, you know, making picnic table for someone. And he was always just beaming with this uh with this light. And, uh, and what I realized uh, from that was that, you know, for, for many, many years, I've been uh, what most people call a traditional influencer in that I help people to speak on the stage, I help them to present um, on stage and in webinars. And so for the first time, I was really confronted by what, what actually is influence. Um, mm-hmm. Is it just the words that we say? Is it just, you know, how we present ourselves? And so that took me on a, a really deep journey to understand um, the deeper levels of influence. And that's where you mentioned, you know, the four pillars and yes. what we can do to really be in that powerful state of being versus mm. just saying, well, if I have these things checked off my list, then I'm going to be influential. And that's certainly not the case. For <laughs> <most> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. And you, you went through this, um, use this, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, the Tao. Tao Tao Te Ching, I guess. So it's actually pronounced with a T. Interestingly enough, Ah. it's a a D uh, pronunciation. So sorry, it's spelt with a T, pronounced with a D. So Tao of influence based on the Tao Te Ching, um, which uh, I know you're probably going to ask me about. So do you mind if I (laughs) say what it is for people who don't know? Yes, please. So, so the Tao Te Ching is a very tiny book of 81 verses, and it's actually touted as one of the most wise uh, books ever written in history. Um, scholars say that, you know, some people think it's a religious book, but it's actually a deeply um, philosophical book about the how to live life. And so because it's so short, though, and it was written, you know, 4,000 years ago by Lao Tzu, 
um, it, the, the translation makes it very heavy, almost like poetry. So you really have to dig deep and, and settle into it. And so what I did was I thought, well, this is such a profound book, but how can I take the concepts of the Tao and use them within my book because I had been a, a, you know, a huge follower of the Tao for years. And when my father died, everything came together and I realized, wow, you know, the way that he lived is the way of the Tao. And so um, that book, it, uh, the quotes in that book and the concepts in that book become more user-friendly, so to speak. Uh, through my four pillars and through the, you know, through the stories and so forth in the book. Yes. And talking about, talking about um, Tao Te Ching, it means um, living and applying the great way, according to what yes. I read in your book. Yes, 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 it is. Yes. And people always ask me, so, you know, what is the great way? What does mm. that mean? And so it, it really, it, like, in a, on a deeper spiritual sense, it really is the the way that we um, uh, manifest our reality through uh, who we are being, not necessarily what we do. So I always say to people, because a lot of people ask me about purpose as an example, mm -hmm. and they say, what, you know, what is my deeper purpose? And I always say your deeper purpose is to love. It's not a particular, um, you know, um, a job it's not a particular path in your career yes. uh, you could you could be peeling potatoes and be a huge influencer mm -hmm. because you understand that the way is really the way of love uh, now that sounds very simplistic but I get into how we humans make it so darn complicated <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> because of that, we can really screw things up as we've seen uh, politically over the last uh, number of years and seems to be getting worse, not better. So mm -hmm. the timing of this book has been really important for me as well to share with people that, you know, the Tao, the way, the way of, of love is possible if we look at those four pillars and really start to look within ourselves rather than look for the answers outside of us. Yes. And that's what I appreciated about the book. Oh, I love about the book, actually. It's centered on love. Everything about it is love, love. God, love, light. As in, it's wonderful. And um, <laughs> I, would, I would love us to like, go through the, the pillars. But before we go through the pillars, um, you made mention of this already. It's a very timely book at this moment. It's very important for us to read the book because it's, First, you first stated like the, the three stages or the three levels of influence. You said first you have this self-centeredness, then later you have the win-win mentality, then later you have the selflessness. And the selflessness is what we are trying to achieve, right? Yes, and I, I love that you've uh, brought that up because really those three phases, um, I think almost all of us go through. You know, mm. when we're young, we just want to survive and get out there and you know, do the best we can, and we're focused on ourselves. but it's often for a reason, because we're not developmentally there yet to be able to really think deeply about other people or maybe about the world and how our actions impact the world. So we, we do this really out of survival, uh, out of fear, just, just keep going. Now, there are many young people um, that I've noticed that are uh, well advanced in that journey. And so I'm not saying that all young people are like that, <laughs> but many, many people are, and it's okay. It's a, it's a, it's a part that most of us have to experience. Then the second of those, the, what, what you said around the win-win, is that you um, start to look at life as a transaction. Mm -hmm. And so this is where, um, you know, in, in my marriage, I've only been married once, but uh, divorced now. But when I look back on my marriage, you know, I was 24 when I met my husband, 27 when we got married. And uh, I just realized, you know, that I wasn't, really in the, um, how can I say, in the mode of um, 
of, uh, of giving, of love. It was more like, well, you're going to do this for me and I'm going to do this for you. And if we both do things for each other, then we're going to have a happy marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And even though it wasn't stated, it was, it was a subconscious agreement on both of our sides. Mm. And so that's how we played things out. Well, you know, I'll, you know, take care of the kids and you go out and work or I'll, you know, I will do, I'll, I'll buy this thing for you. Um, and, you know, if you can go out and do this other chore for me, that would be really great. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't realize that that was happening. Again, um, back in the day for me, as, as a younger person, I wasn't self-aware. So a lot of us, uh, even in our work, as well as, as marriage and partnership, we we look at life through transaction. And that's something that I really break down in the Tao of Influences. How can we get to the third level where there is no longer a transaction? There is no longer thinking, well, I did this for you, so you better do this for it's me. me. Yeah. Um, and that's really where true peace comes from, doesn't it, Toby? Like, I feel yes. like, you know, if we want peace... It cannot, we can't, we can no longer live in that transactional world. Mm. You do something without expecting something back in, for a pay or as a reply or something. You just do it because you, you do it out of love, actually. You do it out of free will, actually, without expecting something back for your actions. Exactly, yes. And that's really difficult for a lot of people to, to do. Um, it's easy to say, it's more difficult to do. But I, I suggest anyone who's listening, to really look at your words, your thoughts, your behaviors, and ask yourself, is this transactional or is it coming from a deeper place of love, love for people, love for the planet? Um, and, uh, and, and that self-awareness, again, really the examination is so vital. Sorry for digressing. That's one very interesting thing I found about the book. At the end of every chapter or most of, chap- most of chapters, we have this reflection center, um, sorry, reflection sections, actually, where you tell people, you tell the readers or tell someone like me to, you know, go through this part. You, for example, let me, let me jump into the first pillar. When, when, I, when I read about power, you said, um, oh, these patterns, if you notice this pattern in your life, then you can do this, then you can do this. I mean, I found that very amazing. So I'm encouraging everyone who is listening to pick up the book and, you know, go through the reflections, go through every pillar. But we'll get to that very soon. We'll get to that later in the discussion. <laughs> yes, I, and most of the people who've taken the time to email me back and talk about the book, uh, that, that section is really powerful for them because, as you said, they start to really see the power patterns in both their um, everyday life, but also in relationship with, with people that they meet or in business. Um, and it's re- it really transforms the way mm. that they look at their life and they look at their relationships. Yes. And n- now that we've dived into it already, let us just go into the, the pillars, right? <laughs> sure, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it's, I mean, it's really, it's really beautiful how you set everything out. Like you, you went from power to presence to um, purpose then to potential. Yes. And that, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Because from power, you have to get rid of some things. And then you go to po- and purpose, then you have to find some things. Then you go to your, um, no, so you go, to, you go to presence, then you have to like, you know, um, be in the moment, be present. Then you go to purpose, then you have to like find some things and potential. You have to just be open to potentials. But um, yeah. I, I, I want you to first go through um, the first pillar, which is power. And let us talk about the, you know, First of all, let's talk about the, the patterns that we have to get up and we have to get rid of or avoid. Absolutely. And um, just as a note before we jump into that, I love that you mentioned about presence because a lot of people say, well, just try to be present or they teach people to be present through meditation and yoga and whatnot. But the reason why it often doesn't work is because we haven't dealt with our patterns of power. So let me go into that and uh, explain that because it's such an important piece in order to be fully present and peaceful and happy. We've got to deal with that first. And so that's why that's the first pillar. So 
Uh, so Toby and everyone listening, um, how we arrive at power patterns is, 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 is every, in fact, everybody does. So there, there's no one that really can escape it, you know, unless you're the Dalai Lama, perhaps, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> even he, I'm sure, would say <laughs> these things have happened. Mm. So how we develop these patterns of what I call distorted power, because um, my, my premise is that love is our only true power. It's our pure power. It represents power in its its um, its potential to for good on the earth, and so we're all born with that. We're all born with this beautiful love power, right? Yes. But what happens is that through our very early years, we try to get our needs met, and at first, the needs are very simple, like I'm hungry or I'm tired, and if we're lucky, those needs are met and we're happy, we, we become happy again. However, as we go to two, three, four, five years old, our needs become more complicated. And we realize at some point that someone or maybe more than one person doesn't, uh, doesn't meet our needs. And we make that mean that there's something wrong with us. So whatever that is for, for all of us, it can be highly traumatic, it can be very subtle, but the minute that a child realizes, oh my goodness, this person's not meeting my needs, their, their brain often goes to that, oh, okay, that means there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And so each of us, when we, when we think that, we develop um, a particular way of getting our needs met. So that way of getting our needs met could be, for some people, you know, um, whatever, whatever works for them, whatever they find works, it could be getting louder, you know, mm. uh, as a little kid, you know, screaming yes. and, oh, mommy comes and says, oh, it's okay. Or daddy says, okay, I don't want you to scream in the grocery store. You can have that candy, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. um, <laughs> or, you know, the opposite, which is, some people, uh, some kids, when they realize, okay, my needs are not being met, they withdraw. And, and literally these patterns, you can see as, as kids grow older, um, will develop into a pattern versus just occasional behavior. So as an example, um, I call this the boar, you know, the, the wild pig yeah. <laughs> is where we want to, we want to be controlling and almost aggressive. Now, the reason that we end up being a controller and, and having that power pattern is because we thought, well, my needs are not being met. I have to control everything and everyone around me in order to feel safe. And so I, I know that was for me, that was very much my power pattern. If I just did everything myself, and especially going into adulthood, you know, <laughs> if I, I can't trust anyone else to do a good job, so I'm going to do it all. And then, of course, you get exhausted, resentful, bitter, um, you know, a little bit irritable, um, bossy, controlling, you know, need to be right. Um, all of that starts to develop from those initial stages of not feeling safe. So taking control and making your life the reality that it is. Yeah. Now, there are some good things about uh, a controller, and that is that they typically become very successful. But what is success? That's what we have to ask ourselves. You know, if, if success is just meeting the goal... That's a very limited definition of success. Mm. And so for me, if someone is peaceful, happy, uh, you know, gives from their heart, isn't uh, controlling out of fear, but rather realizes, uh-oh, I better step back here and look at what's really going on. Mm. Um, then I think we all have a chance, you know, at, uh, at, at peace and love and actually a happy happy life. Uh, so that's one is controller is very common. Another one is people who withdraw from life. Uh, 
So they'll watch what's happening. For instance, with COVID right now, there might be people just, just watching and observing what's happening, not taking part in any conversations, not really wanting to listen to either side of what people postulate is happening uh, or many sides rather there's more than two sides yeah. um, and uh, and and that can be good in the fact that it gives them time to think and reflect and they're often very bright people you know mm -hmm. who withdraw um, but again if we never fully step into what we fully believe in what we what we want out of life what we what we really feel is important in life um, to step into that then again we're we're often um, finding in our older years that we are apathetic we don't enjoy our job anymore uh, but we still do it we just don't enjoy it. So there's there's a lot of ripple effects that happen later in life. You know, you become despondent, just not um, not a vibrant person anymore. Yeah. And those are just two. But you know, there's there's many. There's blame yeah. and the judger. You know, mm -hmm. the judger in all of us. Oh my goodness, we all have that. <laughs> there's a victim you know? also. The victim. Yes, yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> Yes, the victim. Oh, my goodness. And the martyr. Yeah. So, you know, we have all of these patterns that we play out and the stories that we tell ourselves about different people and different events. And if you actually, well, be pre-lockdown, pre you know, if, if you want to know the extent to which we all have these patterns all you have to do is sit in a coffee shop or a small cafe yeah. and and just listen to the conversations and i guarantee you that almost without exception you will hear the different power patterns so it might be victim it might be the judge you know it might be the martyr it might be someone who's controlling the conversation whatever it is um, and, um, and then of course there's the person who believes that they're immune to, um, everything and everyone, like the special person. Yeah. The chosen right? one. <laughs> <laughs> the special person who's mm. not, uh, not going to do what everyone else is doing because they are different and special and, um, they have to be, you know, uh, doing their own thing and yeah. so sometimes that's important because it's part of their values or beliefs but oftentimes it comes from a deeper wound of not being seen and mm. see when we're not seen then we have to make ourselves seen and yes. we convince ourselves that we're seen through these actions mm. um yeah so it's very interesting so in the book i i unravel a lot of this uh, to to share with people not only their own patterns but how their patterns get triggered by other people, people. Yes. right so mm -hmm. as an example the savior someone who wants to save the day and mm -hmm. wants to get in there and and just solve everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah. often that person marries a victim or or you know their partner in in love is a victim mm. and so when those two get together um they make a perfect breeding ground for each other's wounds because one person you know is really uh like oh thank you so much for saving me you know mm. i mean not in those words but really that's what's happening yeah and the savior gets a little hit a little endorphin hit from saving mm. the the the, the victim, victim. Yeah. Yes. And so they're both getting something out of it, but their stories continue. Their stories continue. And so that's where we have to look at, are we really helping someone or are we doing it out of fear that we're not enough? So mm -hmm. that's the that's the really fine line because some people say, but Karen, saviors help people. They, you know, they're really, uh, they're good people there. And of course they're good people, but if they're doing it um, out of a reason other than pure love, yeah. and that's where we have to get into self-awareness, uh, then it becomes um, 
a, a bit of a transaction. So they're they're waiting for the next time they can save, or they're waiting for a thank you. Oh, thank mm. you. You're so great. You're such a savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it becomes a bit transactional in that way. In that same pillar of power, you have the ego and you also have a list of needs that you listed. And um, one that stood out to me was because you made mention of your own personal story and that's the need um, for protection against criticism. And you made mention of the story because you're a German Catholic and yeah, can you tell me the story a little bit and talk about is ego and needs. Yes. So, um, ego. So, in the book, I talk about our ten most common ego needs, and one of them, as you mentioned, is protection from criticism. Mm-hmm. And so, when I talk about ego, it really is that part of our mind that wants to convince us that we're not enough or that we're not safe, uh, that we're not worthy. So, it it always wants to come back to um to the wound and yet at the same time it doesn't want to deal with the wound it doesn't want us to deal with the wound because it's too scary to deal with the original Mm. wound Mm. so protection against criticism is really uh whenever someone says something you know uh, uh, that could be very beneficial for us I used to, I remember, uh, as an example, I think I put this in the book, um, as an example, I would have, you know, a hundred evaluations of a talk that I did, um, and one person would rip my talk apart, and I would be devastated, even though the 99 other people (laughs) had wonderful things to say. True. And... And so, you know, I really had to look at that part of myself in terms of what, what is that uh, protective mechanism that I, that, that I hold so tight to me. And uh, when I really went back in time, I realized, wow, you know, as, as a young girl, um, the very, you know, first times that I realized or I thought that I wasn't enough and I, I had to try harder, I had to control things, yeah. uh, that, that that wound was never, was never addressed. So mm. it's always there. It's always fresh, right? Mm. Yes. So, and the only way we can really release that is through what I call, um, and the Buddhists do this too. This is a, um, a common Buddhist uh, practice, is to see your thoughts as not part of you. So whenever I would have the thought of, oh, I can't believe that person said that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what kind of a person would do that Mm. or say that to me, Mm. um, then I would just, I would just watch the story in my head and recognize the thoughts in my head were all stemming from that original wound. And did the thoughts stop? No, they're not going to stop. But you can minimize them by allowing them to be distanced from you. So in other words, you see them going down the river of thought uh, visually in your mind. You see them going down the river of thought and you recognize that that is not you. It is simply a thought that was based in the past and doesn't define who you are. And yeah, that, that's really, that's very, that's very valid. That's very important. Like you separate yourself or you distance yourself from your thoughts. Then you yeah, say, that's not who I, that's not, that's not who I am. My thoughts is not who I am. And that's where you could get rid of the bad thoughts. Yes. That's awesome. And also you, you listed some other um, ego needs, like um, the needs to be right, for example, or the need for approval. Those are very relatable needs. <laughs> you always, you always want to be right. You always want that approval. Like, yes, validate me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, approve me. Or you need to stay safe, especially in this time of COVID. You want to stay safe. You, you have that ego to, you know, just keep everything together to stay safe. Take control of your situation. And yeah, that those are very. Yeah, I, I advise everyone to go through those books and um, go through the um, needs and you know read what you can do to you know get rid of these egos. Yes, and and thank you for mentioning those other three because again they're so uh they're so rampant, so integrated into most of our daily lives. Mm. 
Hmm. Like you said, the need to be right. How many of us in a meeting have, you know, tried to get the last word or tried or or maybe we didn't but we left the meeting saying oh that person doesn't know anything you know i i know (laughs) (laughs) but they don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and so we uh, we see this in the time of covid more than ever before especially Mm -hmm. on social media um Mm -hmm. that uh people let's take the topic of vaccinations. Uh, Some people want them, other people don't. Mm -hmm. And it appears, at least on social media, that people's need to be right about the vaccinations is stronger than their need for community, for love, for peace, for joy. And, uh, and so there's, there's a huge, um, you know, uh, diversity there where I, I, I can see that people people's need to be right is is more important than anything else and that's where I think it, it gets kind of dangerous to be honest with you I, mm. I, I see a lot of um, darkness in that kind of behavior mm. and it just starts with our need to be right and then the next thing you know people are getting death threats and you know yeah. I mean it's really a crazy world we live in right now but the reason that I wrote the book I believe is is partly because these small things Mm. in our daily life can actually become very very big things yes yes that's very true and before they become very big things we have to um you know change our language for example and this leads me to the seven ways to illuminate your power so yeah we have like you have to like change your language you have to um choose silence sometimes like when there's an argument you just choose to be quiet or choose you know to be in a quiet environment or um practice gratitude or um you also have like practicing acceptance also is also included practicing acceptance then um choose forgiveness also is there then you have um, choose humility. One that stood out to me is the last one, and that's um, experience the power of prayer. Mm. So, yeah, yeah you, you, you're, you're my teacher this evening, so just, I, just mentioned, I just made mention of the point. Can you walk me through the, the seven ways to illuminate my power? For sure. So uh, with the time we have, I, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll focus on a couple. The, the, the power of prayer, a lot of people say, well, I'm not religious. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, not praying. And uh, prayer actually doesn't have to do with religion. So I just want to make that clear that it can be a religious act, but it, it doesn't have to be. It's your connection to God, to universe, uh, whatever you want to call our beautiful, um, you know, divine energy. Um, It is uh, your communication Mm. with that beautiful love energy, uh, which many people call God. Um, So what, what what I write about is that there are people in the world that are teaching me about different types of prayer because when I grew up it was like okay we're going to recite this prayer before dinner mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the catholic way right <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to go to bed and we're going to recite you know two or three more and we're going to do the same ones every day <laughs> <laughs> And I honestly, I thought that was the way everybody did it because I was young and I didn't know any different. Mm -hmm. And um, and so one day I went to a a monastery and it was actually uh, women, um, the sisters, and they they were uh, devoting their entire life. That's all they did was pray. So I thought, well, who better to ask about prayer than someone who does it 24 hours a day? (laughs) 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 And so so they were actually so lovely, you know? They really um, opened up their minds and hearts to me and they talked about how, you know, prayer could be just, you know, picking up uh, a beautiful wisdom text and, Mm. and, and choosing, you know, just choosing a, well, here we have, um, 
the, from the Tao Te Ching, one who seeks his treasure from the outer world is cut off from his own roots. Mm. Without roots, he becomes restless. His mind becomes weak. So as an example, something like that, you would just meditate on it. Mm. You just, you know, walk, meditate. Maybe there's a single word that you meditate on. But whatever it is, you're, you know, you're feeling into it, you're, you're breathing it, you're experiencing it fully. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's one way. Another way is to, you know, have um, uh, questions, questions that you ask, uh, a, a conversation. I know for me, um, I hear divine guidance. Uh, so I, I can hear whatever I say, um, I can hear back what that answer is or what that communication is. And sometimes I just listen, I don't talk at all. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's, that's just a small example of, of what we, what we can um, experience in prayer. Yes. But I believe that the most important thing, Toby, when we go to pray is that we don't do it as a transaction because we're so used to living in a transactional world that um, we don't want to have like a Santa Claus prayer, (laughs) you know, like, please get me this new Mercedes Benz or, (laughs) you know, please make my boss stop acting like an idiot. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And so I know Carolyn Mace, she's one of my, my dearest mentors. You know, she always says that sometimes prayers are answered um, in ways that are the complete opposite of what you want, Mm. but what your ego wants is not necessarily the best thing for your growth. Mm. And so I thought that was so profound because Mm. really it's true. Uh, When we pray, we, we don't pray from our ego. We don't, we don't pray from that place of um, I'm fearful. Therefore I better get what I want in order Mm. to feel better about this situation and about myself. So when we come from that place, it can be very um, transactional, almost like demanding. Um, And so it's hard when we're scared. And, you know, for instance, with the pandemic, not knowing how much longer it's going to last, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, but coming from a place of love versus fear is really what we ideally would, you know, um, find uh, uh, to be the most useful in terms of when we get into uh, prayer. Prayer, yes. And um, you said it all already perfectly well. I mean, it's very important to make it um, a very non-transactional um, experience with God or with the divine being that you are speaking with. And you, you made mention of you, you know, um, asking questions and you, get, you receive the answer, like, directly. And I think that's um, one, one thing that helps with that is um, what you talked about in the second pillar with presence. You have this, um, you are, you are, you have this oneness or you have this unity, um, unity consciousness. And I think that's what helps with divine connection, I guess. Yeah, it really is because pr- presence can be, you know, a lot of people think presence is just learning to be here in the now, but it's also learning to be a spiritual and an earth being. So we have both parts of us. And if we are here now in the present on earth, where Mm -hmm. we're connecting with people, we're in our daily jobs or whatever it is that we're doing, um, that we're able to not only be here now, but it, because we're here now, we also hear divine guidance. We can be connected to divine guidance at all times. Yeah. Um, so there's never a time that we're not uh, that that we are alone. So there, there's no such thing as being alone. We're we're always supported by our uh, guidance um, and whatever beliefs you have about that, it, it's great. Uh, all I'm saying is that when we're not present, we lose that connection to the divine because what happens is ego and fear. And uh, the drive for some kind of goal overtakes the 
connection that connection. we have. Mm-hmm. That, that's very true. That's very true. Um, just because of of the limited time we have, I won't um, go deep into um, presence anymore. You've made mention of enough already. Anyone wants to know more about it should pick up the book and, and read up the old chapter about presence and be blessed by it as I was blessed. So I'll just um, move on to the next pillar, and that is um, purpose, which is very important. <laughs> so first question is, how can I understand my purpose? Well, first of all, there's, there's really um, two critical parts to purpose. One is what I call our, our soul calling. And that's our second level purpose. First level purpose is just to survive. It's just really we're on a survival level. But once we go beyond survival level and having our basic needs met, there is um, a, what I call the soul's calling. And quite often people confuse it to be career-based or to be a, a particular job. It can be part of your calling, but often your calling is, is much greater than a single job or a single project or, or that kind of thing. So for me, my, my, you know, for, for many, many years, I've, I've known that I have a call to write and I have a call to speak. So that, that, uh, that communication aspect of speaking and writing and also teaching what I know. So I'm an archetypal teacher. So whatever I really understand well, uh, there's a soul calling in me to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. And that comes from a deep place of love, not from fear. Uh, so it's a, you know, that, that's how you know it's your calling. Yes. It's not a have to, it's mm-hmm. a I must because it's in, it's such a deep part of me that it wants to spill out out of me. Yes. It oozes out of us. <laughs> exactly. With the um, tendency of, you know, or with the intention to help other people, to bless other people's life. Yes, yeah. yes. And really a lot of people say, oh, but I'm, I'm stuck. You know, I don't know what my purpose is. And, um, you know, when you read the book, you'll, you'll understand more about it and, and have a, um, a process in which to gain much more clarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first thing is when you work on the power and you work on your presence, you become more and more aware. That's why the first two pillars are in that order. But you become more and more aware of your, um, your divine calling, the, the connection that you have uh, with the divine. And when that happens, you just pick up the clues. Like it's almost like, you know, I, I, I'm dating myself here, but uh, E.T. come home, you know, and they have those little M&Ms on the path and the, the yeah. little girl's trying to find her way with yeah. the little M&Ms. <laughs> yeah. And so I always say uh, we are on a journey home and home meaning, of course, our calling, our, our deeper soul's calling. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I believe is that we are given these little M&Ms, these little droplets which lead us back to who we really are. Uh, But most of us are so busy in our fear and wanting and desiring, you know, to have something that we don't actually see the little droplets um, Mm -hmm. that are leading to our purpose. Yeah, yeah. And you you said it already, we need clarity. And I think you made mention of five ways or stages of clarity, of of getting, um, yeah, clarity, actually. And um, yeah, I'll leave that to the readers to pick up the book and find out. <laughs> yes, that would be wonderful. I really appreciate um, anyone who, you know, wants to pick up a copy. If you go to KarenMcGregor.com, you can actually um, also, uh, when you purchase the book, mm-hmm. um, you can, we, we will give you uh, some extra gifts there that, that will help you on your journey. Ah, that's amazing. I, I, I got my copy from Amazon.com, but... Um, yeah, that's... That's okay. You can just, uh, anybody who buys it on Amazon, that's great. You just send me in in an email that you've purchased it and we'll send you, uh, you know, the, the extra additional training, which will complement the book. Oh, 
Okay, yeah. I should send you an email afterwards then. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Toby. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, and so, so um, the next pillar, the last pillar is yes. around potential. Exactly. So what, what did you think about that pillar, Toby? For me, put, um, potential is it's, it's, it's very important. And you said, you made mention one thing I read, and I, what I love about it was that you have to, you have to, be, you have to be open. You have to, you have, to have that, that openness, openness for greatness for the divine calling that you have that you have upon your life yes. and and one 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 thing that um stood out to me there was the first chapter there that was holy flow how do i develop my holy flow how do i develop the holy flow yes you know that was my favorite chapter to write so i'm so glad that you uh picked up on that and that you uh you asked me that so you know to reach our potential People uh, in the past have only focused on just write your goals down, you know, and micro, uh, you know, micro steps to achieve your goals, which is all great. And that's wonderful. But I'm coming from a different uh, place when I talk about potential and influence. And that is that um, we always want to become who we really are rather than who our ego wants us to be. Mm. So in the holy flow, when you're in the holy flow, it means that you're becoming more of who you are rather than becoming more of who your dad, your mom, society, you know, whoever, uh, uh, media, for goodness sake, media, <laughs> you know, they, they, they want us to have more, to be more, to mm-hmm. have that story of success that we see that that's so common. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, as I get older, Toby, I'm I'm really being led back to really um, humble roots. Like I'm I'm being guided very much to, you know, go to um, Italy and and just have a little garden and a you know um, a very small modest home and yes. just just live off the land. Mm-hmm. And I trust that guidance because. You know, um, uh, again, as the awareness comes to me, I realize that all the layers of identity, you know, for instance, being a great speaker. So I've, I've been on stages with thousands of people, Deepak Chopra and Tony Robbins, and all of the layers of you're a great speaker, you're a great writer. So with my Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Tao of Influence, you're a great writer. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to get those, but the ego wants to latch on to those and stop us from being in the holy flow. So as an example, when COVID hit, I like to joke that, you know, I was really, the, my, my book was in the final stages of, of printing and production. And I thought to myself, I need to go back and read my own book because <laughs> I've lost my way here. <laughs> so, you know, it can happen to all of us, but it, the, the importance of the holy flow is, can you follow those little seeds of guidance that are actually bringing you back home to who you are versus who you think you are or who other people want you to be? Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that I talk about in that chapter is yeah. to develop and hone your intuition. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Wolf, I, I actually interviewed many wonderful um, people, Dr. John Martini and David Wolf and Beyonce's father, which was a really cool experience yeah. uh, to interview him. But I remember clearly David Wolf in particular, he said, um, you know, uh, I follow the holy flow. And he's actually the one that, that gave me that word because I thought, wow, what a powerful word. Mm-hmm. He said, I follow the holy flow. And I said, what does that mean to you? And he said, well, it's like um, if somebody says you should read that book rather than write off the person, right? He looks for, is there another sign that I should read that book, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a really busy guy. He's, you know, he's known all over the world as the superfoods guru. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, you know, they just, he's got 12 million followers on, on social media, so he's a busy man, uh, but if he sees 
maybe a second time and a third time, the, the, the drops of, oh, there it is again, or there's something related to that book uh, that I just saw, so I better read that book. Does that make sense? Yes. You're, yes. you're looking at, uh, you know, we only have so much time, so we can't read every book. But if there is certain clues, mm. then you tune in and you say, ah, yes, I'm, I'm going to go and pick up that book. Yes. So that's one way in which, you know, the holy flow can can come to us. Another way is to just sit silent and allow the guidance to come to us. Sometimes it's through visions. You know, um, some people hear nothing. My, my partner, as an example, he hears nothing at all when he, when, when there's, you know, the, uh, the, the, the guidance comes. Uh, but because he's a painter, uh, he sees, like he sees lots of things come and so some people get guidance through visual images, through dreams, um, through synchronicities. They may not get it through voice. Voice, yeah. And that, that's a very important point. On one thing I also learned from the book, that, that's um, silence part. It's very, I, as in, in this modern age, it's very difficult to be silent, to keep quiet, to put the phones away, to put the TV off to, you know, just stay quietly and connect to the divine being, to connect to God and, you know, just um, get inspiration or get, least pay attention to the signs that the universe is giving to you or God is giving to you. Yes, yes. yes. So you made mention of, um, you know, calibrating your expectations and you talked about you, um, you know, now wanting to move to Italy, get a small garden, a small home. And maybe um, earlier you wanted to get a big mansion and a uh, city or a big apartment and a skyscraper and, um, or the penthouse and get a, I don't know, a Bentley or a Maserati. <laughs> so calibrating your expectation is also very important when um, um, attaining your potentials in life. And, and I think it's, um, you know, really looking at does this goal come from a need to um, feed my, my, my identity. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeding an identity of success, what does success mean in terms of the ego? Well, it often means that you're making a certain amount of money, you've accumulated a certain amount of things, you have uh, certain relationships with what we quote, influential people, but as you know mm -hmm. from my book, uh, that's not the... <laughs> no, that's not the definition that we talk about exactly um, yeah. and so when and again nothing wrong with wanting things it's just that often these things become the goal uh to have happiness to have joy and we all know that that's a very fleeting feeling so the new car after a couple of months and a couple scratches, it's just a car. Doesn't mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter what you're driving, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, some people might disagree, but really, <laughs> <laughs> it it's all um, it, it all is identity based when we choose those things, and so we have to be careful when when we're choosing that we are choosing things that are based in a deep a deep uh, love for ourselves, for humanity, for other people. And, and uh, as an example, I do have a nice car. You know, I have a Tesla. But what I always say to people is, I didn't choose the Tesla for identity. I chose the Tesla because it was an electric car. And I felt very passionate about, you know, limiting our oil and gas use. Um, and so it uh, doesn't mean I judge people who drive non-electric cars because I don't, but it was a personal choice based out of love for the planet versus, yeah. you know, um, I, ego identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, yes. And yeah, that's very important. And now that we've, now that we've um, gone through like three pillars or four pillars already, we've gotten rid of our power patterns, we've gotten rid of our egos. We've, we are now fully present in the moment and we are connected to the divine being and we know our purpose and we are pursuing our purpose. We are no more in the first level purpose. We are now in the second, third level purpose already. One thing that is, one thing, and now that we also talked about the potential, we know 
now I have my holy flow and I am working in this holy flow. I think one thing that is important is what you talked about in, I think, chapter 12. And that is um, mastery in form. We are going towards the leadership. We are going towards the influence now. So we have the, the mastery in form. Um, in form and you made mention of um, da, da, Vinci, da Vinci, for example, in that case. Yes, yes. If you can tell me the story a little bit about Da Vinci and your love yeah. for him. Yeah, yes. Well, um, actually, um, you know, when we look at the Renaissance, one of the things that they weren't afraid of, you know, people like Michelangelo mm. and Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Raphael, I mean, there's many, many artists, but also there were, you know, there are great poets and statespeople and orators uh, that came from that period. And uh, I often, you know, it's so profound for me to think about the fact that, you know, it's that all started in a relatively small town. I think, I don't know, 60 or 50,000 people wasn't a large amount of people. Mm -hmm. And yet to this day, you know, we we know we know so much about um, the Renaissance painters. So it, it's it was it was a very curious thing to me. How did that all happen? How did we get to such a high level of mastery um, in in a very condensed period of time with us with a small population? So um, what I write about is really talking about that. Um, I'll just touch on a couple of things. With Michelangelo as an example, you know the the who would have been comparable to you know the president or or in our case prime minister mm-hmm. uh, saw Michelangelo's work and it was his very first uh, sculpture and he said oh he said that fawn that you sculpted he said uh, good work very good work and. You know, um, the old the old uh, men would have a, a tooth missing and their gums would be receded. So mm-hmm. you need to make it more accurate. So rather than Michelangelo saying, oh, my God, I made a mistake. I'm done for. I, <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, no, he went back and he worked and worked and worked to recreate the sculpture in the way that. Uh, in the way that um, I'm just trying to think of his name now again, um, the, the the comparable to the prime minister. I'm just lost his name now. But anyway, so the wonderful thing is that this man, the uh, yes, now I remember Medici. Medici uh, said, you know, come. Uh, he 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 went back. He saw the improvement, and he said. Um, let me see the boy, meaning Michelangelo. And so the, the workshop master brought the boy to, uh, you know, to him. And he said, you know, I like your work. I love your work. And, and I want you to come and, and live with, with our family. And it was such a beautiful gesture. Uh, he paid for, you know, Michelangelo's father as well and mother to come and to come and be there so that he would have family. Um, but the, the thing that w- I, I was touched by so much was that this boy was just a, just a regular boy, you know, mm. off, off of the street, no, you know, nobody, nobody special in, in terms of the ego's eyes, but this man, Medici saw his brilliance. He saw his potential and he put him in front of a beautiful people who taught Michelangelo about poetry, about philosophy, um, gave him wonderful books that helped to grow his mind. And, and so when we think about our own lives in mastery, it's such a wonderful story because really when we are, um, as a community supporting each other's calling. See, if, if Michelangelo wasn't supported, he wouldn't be who he is today. He needed the support. He needed yeah. somebody to say, I believe in you and I'm, I'm gonna show you more and how to do this and, and, yeah. and help him grow more to a higher yeah. level. Um, that's where all of these 
painters from the Renaissance had one thing in common. They had community and they had huge support to become the best at, at what they could do. Yeah. And uh, in North America, Toby, um, I don't know about how it is, you know, in Germany or other parts of the world, uh, but I do know and I've witnessed a very strong individualism which actually works against us reaching a high level of mastery because everybody says, no, I'm just going to do my own thing. And now mm. it's worse. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's COVID, everybody's yeah. like, oh, I'm doing my own thing. Mm. And, um, and that's, not, that's not how you get to greatness. You get to greatness with, with the support of others around you. Yes, yes. And that, that's what um, true influence actually means, uh, mentorship and modeling to other people, being a positive mentor. What's, is there negative mentorship? I don't know. But being a good mentor and growing, helping other people to grow, to develop, in their, yeah, to master their, their craft. Absolutely. And yeah. when I think about my own life and many other people who've reached you know, a high level of achievement in their, in their careers, I think, wow, there's always someone who's in, influenced them in a loving way to, to rise to where they are today. And I think that has been a, really a lost art in North America that we don't have more community to support us to get to that level. Yes, yeah. And one other part that is also very important um, as an influencer or someone wants to be a positive influencer is um, activism, um, you know, taking part in, you know, making movements or doing something to make a change or, yeah, to change the world in, or impact the world in one way or the other. And I would love you to talk about this a little bit. Um, starting, you know, starting a movement, for example, what's the role of, you know, passion in this activism and as well as the energy and the balance that I need um, <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be a positive influence and, you know, to be a good activist. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I love uh, the word activism, even though a lot of people are afraid of it. Mm. And I think the reason that people shy away from that word is because a lot of activists from the past, um, some people wonderful and have done amazing things, you know, but there's many other activists who took it, um, took some of their activism uh, and brought it on their ego. So in other words, it became an identity of, uh, with their ego. They had to be right uh, at all costs. Yeah. And so some leaders of movements actually, you know, work, even though they started originally with a wonderful plan, their movements weren't, um, you know, they just, they just didn't develop into what they could have because the, 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 the leaders or the people who were, you know, managing this were in their egos and had to, had to have things a certain way, weren't going to listen to other people, had to be right. So when we think about being an activist, whether we are starting a movement ourselves or whether we are, you know, joining a movement, the most important thing you can do to really make change on the planet is to work on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? yes. We all think, oh, if I just do this, I'm going to save the world and it's going to be done. And, but, you know, we need to really always come back humbly to what is it in me that I need to look at in order to make that change, in order to influence people to come on board with the movement. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's obviously been many beautiful people like Martin Luther King, uh, who've, who've done that successfully, but a lot of people have not because they didn't develop that inner awareness. Yes. Yeah. And how do you, how do you find that balance and the energy to, you know, carry out activism? Yes. So I love the word passion. And I think that we all need to have a deep inner drive for that movement or for activism. Um, and, and so when we, when we garner that passion, it comes from our soul. It's not, a, it's not something that, you know, that you can just 
muster up with a song, you know, mm -hmm. let's put a song on and let's all feel passionate. Yeah. That only lasts about 10 minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so we always have to stay quiet and come back to why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. What is the real reason that I'm doing this? What's the, what's the drive, the inner soul's calling? And to come into balance, um, what I love to say is if you have, you know, a partner in your life um, and, and that person also wants to be part of the movement, to allow each other, like to listen to each other's ideas, to um, allow for, uh, you know, the flow of communication, mm -hmm. uh, to have space to yourself, have a lot of silent time. I know for me, um, if I don't have enough silent time in the day, I'm irritated. I don't do well. So to know that, you know, silence and being, I always call it being with God, but you can call it whatever you want. But for me, I need that time away from everything else. And that inspires me to have the passion and to keep going. Yes, that, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really great. And you, that, that's the crown of it all, passion. To, to be a, a great influence in life, you have to have that passion for that movement that you are going on. The passion to fulfill your purpose, the passion to find your potential, the passion to get rid of all the power um, patterns that could, you know, prevent you from fulfilling your purpose in life. And yes. the, the passion to be present also is quite important. I really appreciate everything that you've um, explained to me today, everything you've taught me today. And I really appreciate your, your book, um, the, the, Tao, um, the, the Tao of Influence. And um, I appreciate the way it um, takes us through the journey of, um, you, know, from the, the, you know, from the muddy power patterns uh, to, the, having the, to having the the love pattern that you need, actually, the love pattern that you need to carry out your journey to finding your presence, to finding your purpose, and also to um, finding your potentials. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Is there anything else you would love to talk about that I've not asked you yet? I think we've covered a lot already. You know, I think I'm I think I'm complete as we are. I just want to have and say a lot of gratitude to you and to your show and what you do for people, Toby. Uh, it's really a beautiful, uh, you know, show, and the way that you ask your questions is so lovely. So I really want to thank you and for the listeners out there um there's two ways to to get a hold of me uh, karenmcgregor.com you can go there and if you're interested in speaking or you have a, you know a, a calling to speak uh, you can also go to speakersuccessformula.com and you'll find me there yes that's one thing we didn't talk about we didn't talk about your tedx your Awesome TEDx, <laughs> your speeches and the way you, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, it's really amazing. I think we didn't talk about that because, you know, this book was really, um, it's really packed with a lot of knowledge and we don't have, we don't have enough time to even cover everything <laughs> from the book. No but, worries. Well, at the, at people can look me up and Google TEDx, you'll find my TEDx talk there. And it is related to influence in the way that you know, I talk about happiness. So mm -hmm. what is what is true happiness? How do we get there? And so um, it's connected, but it's not the same material. So yeah, people can can check out the TEDx talk as well. Yes, and find some happiness while being a positive influence to the world. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Toby, for having yeah. me here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I am eternally grateful for your time your love and contributions. You mean a lot to me. Thank you once again for listening and sharing with your loved ones. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this journey on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other platforms in the description. Stay blessed.